Hey, welcome to the podcast, Jenny. How's it going? It's going good, guys. How are you doing? <laughs> is that was that it, or is that the practice? Well, that could be it. <laughs> Alex, why don't you count us down, and then I'll kind of just say, "Hey, welcome to the podcast," and we'll go from there. What's up, Polo people? Welcome to the North Side Polo Podcast. I'm Gavin here with my friends and teammates, Alex. Hey, what's up? This is Alex. I wanted to do a cooler intro, but now I'm totally unprepared for it. So we're just going to go on to the next person. And Liam. Hello. Way to drop the ball, Liam. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what else to say. And you don't need to say anything else, Liam. It's completely okay. But on that note, let's move on past that intro piece. Okay, guys, let's get right to the news because all the Polo fanatics listening today definitely want to get to our special guest. Uh, We'll introduce her a little later, but for now, let's talk about the news of the week. I guess I'll start. So big news in the Northside region is that it's actually about me. I'm stepping down as the NAH Northside's rep. I've been the representative for Northside for two years now, and I think it's just best if these positions rotate. And I want to focus on some other projects like making podcasts. So it's time for me to give that on to someone else. And I've uh, got a couple names coming through. So by the end of September, the transition will be uh, made to the new Northside's rep. And uh, we'll make sure everyone knows whose that is when the time comes. So you're saying this podcast has already negatively affected the Northside's region because we're losing our rep. <laughs> uh, this is not the only reason. I mean, there's also some career things going on as well that I might be a little busier than I was before. But also, I really think that these kind of elected positions should flip every couple of years just for the best representation, right? It shouldn't be that someone from Ottawa is the rep for five years. Let's move it to Montreal or Toronto or Kitchener. Well, it's a thankless job. So kudos yeah, it's a thankless job, so I'm not going to say thank you. <laughs> That's why I said kudos. It's actually a pretty fun job to whoever gets it. I hope they have a good time with it. When the reps all get together and have a meeting, it's actually a pretty fun time. So I think the most important thing is just having someone that actually participates. Like I not I think mm-hmm. both you and John were phenomenal for that. But my only fear is when I when I hear NAH thinking about role changes that I definitely don't support. I want to know that our region has a representative that will at least hear out my crazy, my crazy opinions. They don't have to, you know, I don't represent our region, my, my wild beliefs, but I at least want to feel heard. For sure. I mean, what we're looking for in a rep is someone who's passionate about the game and growing it within our region. Someone who's quick to respond to emails and checks their Slack meeting regularly and is willing to vote against their personal opinion if that doesn't reflect the opinion of the region. I think that's a big thing. I know I did that a couple times as rep. It's important that they put the feelings of the region before their own. Hence the rep. Exactly. If you're not representing the region, what are you doing? But I'm confident we'll find someone that uh, will do a great job. So if you're interested in doing it and you're in the Northside region, uh, please let me know. You can email the podcast, northsidepolapodcast at gmail.com. I'll see that or just Facebook me or whatever. And uh, we'll get your name added to that list of candidates. Or if you have some kind of legal background and you live outside of Northsides and you just want to advocate on our behalf, I think that'd be hilarious. <laughs> That's not an official stance. That's just an Alex stance. There's got to be a bylaw in there somewhere saying you've got to be residing within Northsides. I see in our info uh, or in our analytics that we have some people listening from Europe. If anyone from Europe wants oh, wow. to get involved in NAH, I think this is the perfect oh, opportunity. Gosh. 
Yeah, you can <laughs> pretend you live in Toronto. And then I think the only other news, uh, the Heckler's Alley Solo Polo Tournament has picked the representatives, and uh, Northside has two representatives that are going to be participating on, uh, in that tournament. Uh, and that's uh, Lynn and Gavin. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Yeah. So both pieces of news are about Gavin. Well, wow. I'm newsworthy. What can I say? Yeah. Newsmaker. Well, Lynn was the picked representative beforehand, um, and they're going to do a great job. I'm really excited to watch them play. And for me, uh, I got lucky and got my name pulled out of that bowl. So I'm excited. Looking forward to September 20th. I hope everyone tunes in. Just a reminder that if you haven't followed the Heckler's Alley YouTube page, please do so. We got to get the subscribers up so they can get that live streaming feature. And if you're interested in some of the perks of being Northside's rep, randomly getting selected for tournaments is one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know what to say to that. Uh, There was no rigging. I didn't even try to bribe Jordan. Best of luck, though, to you and Lynn. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Lynn and Montreal Bike Polo holding it down. I'm happy that Northside's representatives are coming from the two most active clubs in 2020. I'm glad that it, it's we're being represented by more than one club and we're being represented by the clubs that have actually been active. I think that's great. But at the same time, those other clubs like Toronto is in a, a very different circumstance as far as COVID-19 numbers and whatnot. And yeah. I'm sure that if, I mean, they had didn't have those barriers and had the same advantages that, you know, Ottawa had, they'd be playing a lot more than they did. Oh, yeah. We're, we're playing as much as we can. Don't get me wrong. Good. I'm happy to hear that. Thank you so much. We got a lot of people reaching out to the Northside Polo Podcast at gmail.com email this week. Uh, quite a few emails, probably because of how um, anger inciting our 26 for 700 discussion was. But we got three emails and Liam's going to read them off for us. So why don't you give us that first one, Liam? Indeed, I shall. The first email comes from Justin from Ottawa. Hey, guys. longtime listener. First time messenger. I'd like to start off with an apology to Liam. Sorry the lobster trap was unintentional, though I remember hearing less about Chip's tooth than your spokes. You three have done a great job bringing to light subjects that rarely get more than a passing comment in usual polo life, and I thoroughly enjoyed my afternoon nap while catching up on your rants about wheel size. Mallets for mayhem for life. Enforcer rules. 700 suck. Also, can't wait to see you balling, Alex. All right. Well, thank you, Justin. There's a lot to unpack with this email. Subtle shade being thrown, saying he enjoyed <laughs> listening to it during our afternoon na- during his afternoon nap. I mean, that's what podcasts are for, right? I, most of the podcasts I listen to are when I am either about to fall asleep or currently sleeping. I guess. I would just hope we're more exciting than that. There's also some backstory that needs to be explained here. So the lobster trap, uh, last episode when I was referring to stepping on the wheel of an opposing, sorry, of an opposing player, as opposed to dabbing, uh, we've sort of called that the lobster trap. Although the lobster trap is technically performed with three players when you all fall down and stand on your bikes around the ball to prevent the opposing team from getting the ball. Um, It's sort of a catch-all term for standing on your opponent's bike before dabbing. And when he talks about Chip's tooth, we have a player, Matt Petersma, shout out Matt, uh, who on his first day of polo came out um, and Justin ripped the ball so hard it bounced off the crossbar and took out a piece of Matt's tooth and has forever had the nickname of Chip. And he took it, you know, very well. Obviously, he didn't really complain. I think he 
went and got it fixed at the dentist the next day. So shout out to Matt. He was actually here this weekend. So thanks for yeah, coming up. He's dude. been playing for years now. What a way to start your polo career. No kidding. And the lobster trap is we could honestly talk about the lobster trap for a long time. Um, it's usually a strategy used when you're up like two points and they score and then you just kind of lay all your bikes down in a triangle around the ball and sit there in your half while time expires and the other team can't get to it because you're blocking it from all sides while you stand on your bikes. The innovation coming out of the Ottawa club for dubiously shady rules is, uh, (laughs) you guys are just killing it. It's a polo tradition. I don't know if it's ever worked, but it's definitely been tried a couple times. So the next email is actually about the, uh, about the debate. 26 versus 700 debate. This is from Brett from St. Louis. Writes, I'd like to point out that regardless of wheel size, bottom bracket height will remain unchanged. Alex's assertion that you're taller on the court on 700C wheels is not correct. I also want to mention my favorite thing about 700C, aside from stability at high speeds, which is helpful when you're riding with one hand. When you're stuck between a couple defenders going at the ball, it's so much easier to block the ball from their mallets with the bigger wheel. It's much easier to get a mallet in on 26-inch wheels. And also, he likes to point out that the biggest advantage of 700C is style. They are just cooler. Personally, I agree with that last statement. Um, So, Alex, what do you have to say? Yeah, he's coming at you hard here, Alex. You going to defend yourself? Look, he's he's absolutely right. The your height on a bike is going to be dictated from the bottom bracket height, not from your wheel size. The geometry built around the wheel size will affect the bottom bracket height. Like he, he is right. If you're if you want to measure someone's standing height on a bike, it is the bottom bracket height you should be looking at, not the wheel size. He makes a pretty good point here too about like against so you can use the wheel to block like mallets and stuff. I know I do that a lot when I play, like flick my wheel so I smack away their mallet when they're going for the ball. I mean I ride twenty six, but it works there and I'm sure if you have a bigger wheel, I guess you can deflect more balls not to go back to the to that debate because i think we droned on about it a lot i think the <laughs> players that are the best at doing that particular maneuver um i think of morgan and Doty, and they both play on 26 so yeah well but but it definitely is like hey i i agree i think getting a mallet around a 700 is harder than getting a mallet around a 26 and i i tried to bring that up a little bit i don't remember if we included it we actually edited out a decent amount of that discussion because it was quite repetitive so i don't remember some of the points i think didn't quite make it in uh and that was that might have been one of them and uh yeah i totally agree with you you know i love that our first emailer justin says 700 suck and our second emailer says (laughs) the biggest advantage is that the 700 is just cooler so it's obvious that this is a very polarizing debate amongst polo players around the continent considering we got an american and a canadian emailing in if I had just invested in a beautiful new polo bike like Justin did last year and I got the wrong wheel size, I would be pretty defensive about it too. <laughs> good point. Good point. Uh, thank you, Brett. It's nice to have listeners from outside North side region. Our last email comes from Nadine from Ottawa. Uh, she writes question here. Any tips on building confidence on your polo bike, whether you are a less experienced player looking to get better, or if you get a new bike, obviously more time on the bike helps. But other than that, Certain drills, steering, falling, balance, equipment, safety gear, brake adjustments, etc., or psychological. Those are, I guess, suggestions or wondering if those are good suggestions for getting better. I think that having, first of all, having a bike that you can be confident in, like having a brake that you know is going to work for you, 
is going to be really important. Like just having, I was surprised how much more comfortable I got playing polo when I got my first dedicated polo bike. And I know that can be a really big commitment for a lot of people. Um, but just even, even if you don't have to buy, like you don't have to upgrade your bike necessarily, but even something like having, making sure you've got tire size, like we talked about last week, having a little bit of a wider tire that's going to give you that more stability, making sure you've actually got a lower gear ratio. A lot of the time when new players come in, they play on a much higher gear ratio than what you need for bike polo because most of the time when you're riding a bike, you want a higher gear ratio. You're not just accelerating and stopping on a court the whole time. But at bike polo, you want a very, very low gear ratio. And that actually makes you a lot more stable and maneuverable. And I find gives me a lot more confidence. So making sure your gear ratio is in the right place and your brakes are tight, that I think will go a long way psychologically and for balance. Couldn't agree more. I think the ratio is the biggest thing for a lot of beginner players. As far as, you know, drills and tips to just become more confident on your bike, I think it just comes down to time, unfortunately. Hours on the bike and just handling through cones, maybe. That's what's going to make the big difference. The more you play, the more confident you're going to feel, the better you're going to get. The biggest thing I'm going to say, though, is when you're trying to get better at bike polo, the fastest way to do it is to do solo polo. You're just going to be way more confident maneuvering the ball and moving on your bike the more time you spend on it. And solo polo is the most direct way to get that time because it's just you, the ball, the bike, and you're not having to sub on and off the court and you're getting all your time on the ball. You're going to get a lot more reps in that way. So that's my big tip is solo polo. Nadine, when I see you on the court uh, this week, I'll, I'll give you a couple other tips for you and a few drills that I like to use myself. A drill I will bring up because I think it's just, it's really easy. You can do it anywhere. And I will often do this before games in a tournament. If I get on a new court or I'm unfamiliar with something and I have to kind of get myself, get my head in the space to, to play bike polo at like a high level, especially if you walk into a Sunday elimination game and like you've been sitting, like you haven't been on the bike for a couple hours and it kind of feels like you're not as comfortable immediately jumping on it. The drill I always do is I sprint as fast as I, I get up to as fast as I can on my bike and I hit the brakes as hard as I can and I just stop as fast as I can. And I do repetitions of that, which I think both warms kind of gets your legs, leg muscles awake, uh, but also it forces me to be right at the edge of my comfort zone, uh, and which is kind of where you want to be when you're playing the game. Can't agree more. Liam, you have any tips? Uh, I don't know. I just stay in net, so I don't really, uh, I mean, it's pretty, <laughs> if you're in net, man, if you're in net, all you got to do is just be, is just stay upright. Okay, Eeyore. Don't dab. It's a lot less pressure. So, um, and you know, nobody wants to be goalie. So if you can fill that need on a team, uh, who knows, you might like win a tournament or something. It's great. Liam, how's it going from back here? <laughs> this is completely in fun. Like, yes, some tournaments you played in, you played primarily net, but like a pickup, Liam, you're out of the net, like scooping and duping, trying to score goals, taking big rippers. Like, I don't. <laughs> How do you get to be that good? What did you do? <laughs> Listen, uh, <laughs> I mean, pickup is the time when you're just trying to, you're trying to get goals. You're trying to. I don't know. I'm still getting used to my, I still wipe out all the time. I think safety gear is probably good. Like I, I, all I have is a, you know, a nice helmet with a cage. I think pair of like elbow pads and knee pads, I think might be a good investment because I, you know, I think it's like, as soon as you get used to falling and, and being okay with, with falling and wiping out at reasonably high speed. So if you can get comfortable with that mode of, of going in and not being worried about falling, scraping up a bit, um, I think that's a good, 
a good skill to have. I'll second that. I think learning to fall is one of the most important things you can do in polo. And it sounds so counterintuitive, especially when you're first getting into the game. You're going to be, you're going to fall. Falls happen. It's, it's part of the game. Um, I'm very lucky that I, I feel like I learned to fall off a bike when I tried to learn how to ride BMX before I played bike polo. But honestly, I have fallen every single time we've played pickup in Toronto this summer, which is only like two times. But both times I've fallen, there's been a collective gasp like, oh, <laughs> is your knee OK? And yeah, uh, yeah, it's fine. It's it's learning to fall on stuff. And it's not like a conscious thing because when you're doing it, it happens so fast. It's all subconscious reactions. Having that practice and being able to it sounds dumb, but fall correctly makes a huge difference. When I'm trying to learn a new move, I uh, I always had the philosophy like every time I fall, I get better because I learn from that mistake. And I think I bring that to my polo too. It's definitely a balance. Like you learn how to ride that edge of fast play and then know, uh, oh, if I dab here, I won't end up on my face. You know, you make these trade-offs and it's a balancing act just like any kind of bike sport is. Aggressiveness versus safety versus where you want to be on the court and just keeping a good attitude about it and realizing, you know, you're going to fall, but if you make smart choices and you learn gradually, you don't need to maim yourself at all. Um, that's not, doesn't need to happen, but you will probably dab or fall down every once in a while. And that's part of learning. So don't Great. avoid it. So thank you everyone who mailed in this week. We really appreciated that. Please continue to send those letters and emails and dms to us because we want to read more of them on there it makes our job easy we have to come up with less content free content <laughs> wait we should say the email we forgot to say the email the email is oh shit what is the email northside polo podcast at gmail.com that's northside polo podcast at gmail.com this week we got a great guest for us to listen to uh, her name is jenny from minneapolis and she has fantastic insights for us about traveling around the United States, playing different clubs, a pretty funny story about the Canadian border, some also some really powerful words. So I really recommend you guys stick around and listen to her and us talk. Uh, it was a fantastic interview. Here she is. Okay, Jenny. Hi, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? It's going good. Good to be here. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming on. We appreciate your time and uh, talking to us about bike polo. So... Where are you speaking to us from today? I am in my apartment in Minneapolis, looking at a nice little sunset uh, near a lake, because that's what uh, happens here in Minnesota. There's lots of lakes. Ah, beautiful. You know, I've never been to Minnesota, but I think it's probably pretty nice. I've heard some nice things. Yeah, it's low-key, like, the coolest spot I've lived. You have a lot of snow like we do here in Ontario, I'm sure. Sure. I don't know. I've been here for two winters and they've been drastically different from each other. And with the changing climate, I don't know. We will see. I think, am I correct in saying, I think we all met you for the first time. That was in uh, Halloween last year, 2019. Yes, that is correct. You mean the one where you guys won? Yes. No, no one's trying to brag here. You know. I like to say Gavin and Alex won. I just stayed in net. <laughs> we got very lucky and managed to score some goals yeah i was under uh -huh. strict team orders to stay in net the whole time i, I noticed that i think a lot of people noticed that there's a lot of contention <laughs> about that 
Yeah, it was good times, guys. <laughs> it may have come up. <laughs> but uh, you were named best new player at that tournament, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I guess so. I didn't know, so I knew after sometime later. Uh, I just thought I won a new frame. It'd be really funny if that wasn't what you won, and there's someone that actually won best new player. The person that actually <laughs> won best new player listens to this, and they're like, "Hey, I won best new player." Like, you actually got something different. Yeah, sorry. I mean, all all three of us, like Liam, Alex, and I, probably were like getting our helmets off and our pads off and stuff, yeah. and our bikes when they were awarding these things. I just look back. Whoa. Jenny won an enforcer. That's awesome, you know? Yeah, I was blinded. How is that bike working out, by the way? Oh my god, it's a game changer. It's a whole new whole new game. Yeah. I can turn around fast and whip whip things around and yeah, I think that you guys would be surprised not to get too high on myself right now, but I think that <laughs> <laughs> there's been quite a bit of change from last year to this year, and mostly because of the bike. Having a new bike will totally do that. What do you think is the biggest change from your old bike? Uh, the turn radius and how quickly I can get started going. It's probably because of the 26-inch wheels. <laughs> okay, we're not starting that debate again. <laughs> <laughs> that took up like an hour last episode. <laughs> okay, well, why don't we change subjects yeah. then, okay, Jenny? So I'm really curious, like, what got you into hardcore bike polo? And, you know, where did that journey okay, start for you? so when I was a freshman in college I think um I had been a d1 field hockey player and my career ended short and I was depressed about it and a professor of mine was like you mountain bike you like sticks and balls come play bike polo so that was grass polo that was the original bike polo um in Boone North Carolina there they started playing in the 90s in the early 90s the owner of a bike shop got a bunch of mallets and a bunch of dudes just started playing in whatever field would allow them to. Um, Hardly any rules, really. Like, you can only hit the ball three times before you have to pass it. And if you touch the ground, you got to, like, ride around away and come back. And that's pretty much it. Are those official rules? Or are those just, like, Mm, the local rules? Those were our rules for like 20 years or something and also there's no rules about who how many to a side so some days you have seven aside some days three aside and so the game is really changing a lot there are no boundaries to the field um you could use any features on whatever field that you wanted so sometimes they were hills or poles or walls or you know not whatever so it was just fun it was just like you know one day a week we are all gonna get out here and just like pedal our asses off and run into each other and it was just a good time so you're on mountain bikes and uh the guys would help you fix them up whenever you broke them and this sounds like a crazy game honestly there's no boundaries there's no official court surface like there's hills and potholes and stuff in the way and there's no teams like one team has twice as many players was this madness was this sanctioned by the university was this like a university club thing no this was just separate it's just random dudes and uh, like a lot of them uh, competitively race mountain bikes so they had excellent bike handling skills you know like feats right. of athleticism were amazing to watch uh, and to watch these characters play for 10 years like as you know it's a beautiful thing to build that chemistry between different teams and people but so I played for nine years oh wow yeah and some of the guys who were there played for like had been playing for 22 years when I left what's the ball look like it's a mini soccer ball 
I don't know the size of it, but just a smaller soccer ball. Pretty light, okay, um, but heavy enough. I don't know. You really got to whack that thing, but it can get some air. <laughs> and what mallets are flying kind of wild because there's no rules, you know. Like, I definitely got clocked in the face with a mallet a couple times and, like, play on, you know. For me, I really <laughs> I love those kind of sports. I'm into it. So then, okay, so then, I, you know, after school – there's a lot in the middle here, but I traveled around and then ended up in Oregon and I tried, I got a couple pole games started there with a friend of mine from North Carolina and then I did not play. And then I, so, okay, how did I get into hardcore? I came to Minneapolis and I was just like, all right, you guys play every sport there is. There's gotta be bike polo. And I looked up online, there was like a dead website. I looked on Instagram and nobody was responding to me and I was like this club must be a bunch of dicks or whatever <laughs> but I was like this hardcore uh, polo team has got to know where the grass polo is because I heard there was grass polo so I tracked him down and I got to the courts and I was just like gonna roll by in my car and be like hey where's the grass polo people <laughs> <laughs> show me to the real polo players <laughs> <laughs> and they were just I don't know, really nice and relaxed. And they were like, hey, we're about to have a fire on the lake. You should come. And we brought our mountain bikes and we mountain biked this little hill together. And then that was it. I was, I went and tried it and I was hooked. That's awesome. Do you think that like playing that many years on grass polo has helped you in your heart? I don't know. They're polo? so different. <laughs> I think, wow. I think probably, yeah, probably like being used to holding something in one of my hands for sure yeah like the bike handling stuff and yeah but is the ball handling at all the same no not at all it's so different i can't imagine getting ninja balled by a soccer ball that just sounds <laughs> awful oh yeah <laughs> uh i don't know like it's it's a lot heavier of a ball to hit it's a whole different swing that you use and it's a different strategy and it's grass it's imperfect circuit surface there's not a whole lot of skills that you memorize you just do whatever you have to do in the moment it's very taoist you know are people doing wheelie mm -hmm. turns because that's my favorite thing about hardcore <laughs> <laughs> i am sure uh yeah these guys they could do it all it sounds like the ottawa court for hardcore it's a very impressive <laughs> surface. that's true we might be better at this yeah. than we think because we've yeah had you'd so probably much be good practice. At <laughs> yeah i think ottawa should reconsider whether or not you even consider yourselves hardcore given the quality of that pavement yeah it's more Dang. of like uh I don't know. It's like a piece of microwave bacon. It's very... Uh, <laughs> a lot of bumps. It makes us really good ball handlers, though, because we have to be so careful every time we move the ball because it's just hitting gravel and rocks. And just terrible passers. <laughs> well, we don't pass. Yeah, it's passing just is Shooting. Shooting is good. Wild swings. I'm guessing grass pole is like that, too. Like Every time I've seen videos of it, it seems like they're kind of like smacking the ball forward and chasing it yeah is that a fair assertion um i think okay so when we first started playing we were on a really big field and there's a lot more of that and then we moved to a very small little bowl area and then there was a lot more passing and strategy like ball handling so it just depends and are there goalies i think i remember people being in goal sometimes but also being kind of heckled for it uh, so Liam, Liam, you can play. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Thank God. Feels like a lifetime ago. 
Mm-hmm. Well, now that you've switched over to hardcore, I can only imagine. I mean, you're in the superior version of Pike Polo now. <laughs> yeah, I live in the now. But, you know, I just heard from my old club that uh, there's actually a grass polo team in Nova Scotia that challenged our club for a game in 2021 or something like that. Oh, wow. You know, that must be that must be the one I was thinking of because... I, I thought it was Halifax, but maybe it's it's just outside Halifax because I've I've seen a video of of them playing. I feel like it's Antagonish or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's exciting I, though. When I became the Northside rep, I tried to track down like all the unheard of clubs in the Northside region because the Northside region is, if you don't know, it's massive. It's like Eastern Canada. It's bigger than almost every country in the world. And wow. I'm trying to track down these different clubs. So I was on Facebook searching up different like Halifax which is the capital of Nova Scotia bike polo and I totally was on the grass polo page yeah asking like hey you guys know NAH and I realized quickly <laughs> they're like who who this are you is very different than what I thought it was <laughs> but I want to try it I mean you make it sound pretty fun and I mean I like mountain biking so why not yeah it's just smiles it's a good time I guess you need a different bike for it. Yeah. You want a beater bike, a beater mountain bike. Mm-hmm. I just had like a really old Gary Fisher, um, like kids size bike that I rode around. With with suspension or without? With front suspension. So you started playing in Minneapolis and uh-huh. just because the community was so awesome there. And can you tell us a bit about that club? I mean, I've never been there, but I've heard good things from like Wes who's been there. Yeah. So, okay. For my, you know, obviously I'm not the person to ask about the history of this club, but from my experience um, on the one court that we've had, the court is is kind of shitty. It's just a small little <laughs> tennis court with the poles still in and not, a, you know, the greatest surface or whatever. And there's no boards down to bounce off if you bounce off the fence. But all that being said, I think it's a really great place to pick up ball handling and passing skills. Of all the places I've played, you know, if I were to pick just purely based off of surfaces play off on, that wouldn't be the one. But if I was going to pick based off other other things i i would i would pick here every time no offense to everybody else just i think there's such a diversity of styles here that you get a range of play that you just it's hard to come by it, it re- really is a beautiful thing i mean because i don't know if you guys remo- know ramon no who lives here he's an old player old style player he plays sitting really low and he just has a fluid, a beautifully fluid game with quick hands and he skids, he skids around a lot. He's kind of Tokyo drift out there. So he's got his style. And then you have people that are very upright, technical, all hands. And then, I mean, we have so many good players here right now. We have Dr. Dew, we have Elliot, um, Kato, Eben. Uh, God, I'm going to, if I start naming people, I'm going to miss people. Yeah. But so I'm not going to do that, but I'm, I'm just going to say we have a lot Shout of Shout out to all great, the players. Yeah. A lot of great old players and a lot of new players right now too. Roughly how large is the club? Like, uh, if you, if you had, well, prior to COVID, if you had pickup, like how many people were you getting last summer coming out? Last summer we were, we would be, consistently have like a queue uh, one queue waiting sometimes a little bit more wow. it grew by the end of the summer this this year we have two and a half games lined up after the, the one that's about to end holy cow yeah we have like too many people right now but it's awesome it is awesome that's a good problem to have um so you talked about the minneapolis style and you said you've played in a lot of places now we know from meeting you at grand rapids uh, that you travel around a lot you kind of live like on the road sometimes. And I think 
in sign up for this little interview with us, you told me you've played in 10 different clubs. I mean, to maybe to Americans, that doesn't seem like a lot, but to Canadians, that's a lot of clubs because I mean, everything's so far away here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like for me to drive to one of the closest clubs, it's like four hours, you know? So yeah. Um, I'm just curious, like of all those clubs you've played in, are there any you want to give shout outs to? Like what have been some of the cool, interesting things you've seen in all the diversity? <laughs> I know it's a huge um, question. Yeah, uh, I yeah I would give a shout out to, um, oh god I'm about to get myself in trouble. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Only people from Northside listen to this podcast, so they won't hear. I it. mean, the clubs that I've played in are in like a very small region of the United States, you know, because I didn't, I haven't played for that long. I would give a shout out to all of these clubs except for the Raleigh Club because I tried really hard to play with them and they were... <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I, I was going to try to play hard into this bit. Basically, okay, I was traveling and I was trying to hook up with Raleigh and I wasn't getting anyone's attention. Nobody was responding. So I started just to shit talk them really hard <laughs> and it stirred up some controversy. <laughs> so I laid into it even harder and now I just, that, like, that's my thing, whether it, whether it gets me in trouble or not. But just kidding, Raleigh, I, I love you guys. Um, I guess, I don't know, I haven't met you. So your strategy, <laughs> your strategy to get their attention was just to shit talk them mercilessly. Yeah, pretty, well, yeah. <laughs> I tried other things first, let the record show. Well, did it work? <laughs> I've never tried that. I've definitely been in a city and wanted to find the polo club, and I've never connect. I never took it to the next step. Like, I've messaged people, tried to find people on Facebook. I've never thought, like, if I just start shit-talking this club on Facebook, someone's going to respond. <laughs> that's, uh, that's actually really smart. I thought, you know, East Coast, they'll understand this is a love language, but I think some people took it a little literally. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. So I did not mean it. But, um, okay, so most of of the clubs I played for are the Midwest. So, like, Madison, Wausau, Milwaukee, Chicago, Grand Rapids, uh, and then down Lexington and Kentucky, Cincinnati, um, Lafayette, or not Lafayette, Indianapolis? Yeah. DC. DC is a weird one because they play on like really slick plastic. I don't know if you guys have played there. Oh, like a deck hockey court? Yeah, it's it's a whole different style of play. It's really hard to get to get used to. It's just slow because if you get any speed, you're going to wipe out, you know. We have a few uh, of those courts in Ottawa popping up. It's becoming popular here for a lot of the hockey players. And I've tried pick like solo on them and it's just I can't get used to it. I'm just slipping and sliding all around. It's an adjustment, but it's really impressive to watch the people who have mastered that surface. Hmm. So I got to play with uh, people traveling up from Norfolk and Richmond, I guess. But, you know, like Quinn Horton. Yep. Yeah, he he was slaying on that surface. He made it look like it was nothing. So, you know. I feel like Quinn makes a lot of things in Poland look like nothing. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he's got so many crazy individual moves and skills that it's uh, it's really something to watch. The first time I played against Quinn, I just remember Adam Dirks telling me, "They're like, all right, just don't let him ride past you. Don't let him ride past you." I'm like, I'm not just gonna let him ride past. Oh, he's past me. <laughs> Classic. I um, have not encountered a club that was not welcoming. That's awesome. To me, except for Rally. And most of them put me up in places to sleep, too. Even Okay, big shout out to Elise in Cincinnati because 
everybody there has cats and I'm super allergic. So she opened her art studio for me to sleep in, which was really nice. Wow. That's awesome. So you traveled awesome. all around playing in all these different clubs. Do any of them stick out as having like really distinct styles? We love the distinct, unique styles that some clubs have. I like the style of Lexington, which is to like roll out kind of late, even when it's freezing out and just drink enough liquor to get through. <laughs> oh, that, that's a fun style. Um, the more I hear about Lexington, the more I feel like I definitely need to play polo down there at some point. Isn't that where Worlds was a few yeah, years they ago? Had beautiful courts. Beautiful. Yeah. And nice lights and a nice and a cool part of town near a brewery that has a ping pong table. Oh, perfect. Yeah. It just sounds like everything. The more, like I said, the more I hear about it, the more I think I need to... I need that to be a part of my life. Yeah. But let's say you haven't made it up into Canada yet where some of the best clubs await. So. <laughs> well, okay. That's the pro- Here's the problem is that y'all don't want me. This is a big story. Well, we want can- the polo players, but. Canada turned me away. <laughs> wait, wait. Tell us the story. What happened? Oh, God. Uh, I don't have a criminal record. Just, yeah. Like. I didn't have any big weapons in my car or anything. Just putting that out there. Um, big ones. I, no big ones. Yeah, no big ones. <laughs> I mean, I had some. Okay, so everybody was like, <laughs> Canada's going to be so easy. You know, you just go, you just get there, you show them your passport, and you go on the other side. Like, that's what everybody said. You get there, you show them your passport, and you go on through. And I'm a person that takes things literally <laughs> And my other experience crossing borders was down in Central America, which was where, like, I mean, I actually crossed into a country and forgot to do the border stop and just, like, walked in to a place. And it was no big deal. So that's, like, where I'm coming from. Okay, so I get to the border and they're like, you know, do you have any of this stuff in your car? And I didn't anticipate that. I know this is really dumb, but... I was like, oh, well, I have some cherries in my car and, like, a hunting knife and blah, blah, blah. And they are just like, well, welcome to Canada. Pull on over here. So I thought I was in. (laughs) (laughs) So I pulled over there, and I'm just chilling in the car, and eventually this guy comes over. He's like, what are you still doing in here? Are you moving stuff around? Are you whatever? I was like, oh, shit, am I, like, in trouble? Like, what's going on? And I I go inside, and and I'm, like, scared now, right? I'm like, oh man, they're searching my car. What's going to happen? And so I go in and I'm like, I have a machete in there. I have this in there. I have this. And I'm telling everything <laughs> I have in my car because I'm like, I don't want to get in trouble about it. And they're like, well, we don't care about those things. But if you have anything that was on the list and you didn't tell us about it, you could go to jail. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm going to go to jail. <laughs> um, so they're drug testing my shit and going through my purse and my diary and my phone and Whoa. my text messages. And I mean, there's like four dudes looking over a conversation where I may have sexted somebody a picture. I was just like, man, this is the worst. And <laughs> okay. And, and everything they find suspicious, right? All right. So I had this like pencil sharpener for color pencils and it had this like debris in there. So it definitely looked like a drug container with some like drugs in it. But I was like, that's just a pencil sharpener. I, I lost the sharpener part. And they're like, yeah, right. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then they found a CIA pen and they're like, what's the CIA pen? I got it. I got it at a job fair. And they're just like, uh-huh sure and i'm like well what do you think like uh, you know if i was in the cia would i have a cia pen anyway at the end of all this i go over the waiting room there's this guy next to me his his pupils the size of saucers and he's like what are you here for like i don't know 
I was like, what are you here for? He was like, drugs. I was like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> they bring out a jar full of drugs and they're like, we're confiscating this, but you're free to go. So he gets to go through. So I'm oh like, all right, I'll be, I'll be fine. <laughs> wow. But no, they, they apparently found proof I was trying to illegally move to Canada and work there uh, that they couldn't tell me what the proof was, but they found it. And they also might have found a, a little stun gun, which is not allowed. And because I used my car to transport the stun gun, they confiscated my car, which means they just oh, didn't, wow. they oh didn't, they didn't move it or anything. They just left it there and I just had to pay them $500 to get it back. Oh my gosh. Wow. So yeah, Canada like really really that's a horror story me. and a half that that's probably the worst border crossing story i've heard <laughs> ever actually <laughs> i was wondering if i was on a list and so three years later i tried in montreal or to go to montreal and they were like yeah you're on a list oh, go, no. go oh, goodbye wow. yeah. Shit. so sorry guys no oh. we're sorry i know it's kind of cliche but sorry that's that a happened. long story but yeah i'm not allowed up there that reminds me of, uh, I remember Ashwin, Jenny, he's a friend of ours, and he was the guy who got me into polo, but he went to the, the tournament in Anchorage, Alaska, which is, he, he lives in the Yukon, and he drove out with another guy from the Northwest Territories, and I think on their way back in to Canada, he mentioned how they were all stopped and, and they were pulled over to do the interrogation thing inside. And I remember Ashwin, he was telling me how he, the first thing he did when he went inside is he went to the bathroom. And then the first thing the agent said to him says, well, glad you got rid of all the drugs. <laughs> I was just like, oh, man, I couldn't imagine being in that spot. Like, obviously, he just had to go to the bathroom instantly. He wasn't, like, maliciously getting rid yeah. of anything. But any small action you take, I feel, at the border, they're just like, super suspicious. it's, of it's it. magnified to a million. And it's just like, yeah. border. Yeah, yeah. I think it all depends on who you get. Yeah. Like, it's stressful. What they're looking for. Yeah. Every time I'm going to a polo tournament in the States, we roll up to the border and I mean, we have like four bikes in our car and it's full of stuff. And I'm just thinking to myself, if they search us, this is going to take hours. And yeah. it's very stressful because they're like, why are you going to the United States? So, no, we're going for a bike polo tournament. Of course, they've never heard of it. So yeah. there's that whole conversation, yeah. which sometimes is hilarious. I've had some pretty cool guys that were laughing and interested and some that were not as interested i think i think every time i've crossed the border for a polo tournament they've looked at the bikes and they're like i bet you're going to a bike polo tournament what? like they're like you've got bikes you've <laughs> got mallets they're like yeah that checks out that's cool I mean, yeah i've had some yeah. guys be more suspicious but they always let us through so far maybe i'll maybe i'll find a way yeah well, you better i mean <laughs> you know the cool thing where i live is i actually run by the prime minister's house on my running lap so i'll give what? him a knock on the door <laughs> And I'll see what he's up to, right? Yeah, please, yeah. I'm sure he doesn't Sounds have bigger good. fish to fry. Yeah, we got to recruit the prime minister. Get Trudeau onto the polo court. Maybe we can get some funding for uh, bike polo after that. I feel like it's a good photo op for his election. Yeah, he needs that. He definitely doesn't need that. Especially some of the players <laughs> in our club, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> we were just talking about our friend who um, smashed his tooth out in his first game of pickup ever. So I wonder if oh. Trudeau would be interested in playing. I mean, he's got a pretty nice smile. So I mean, we, we had Rick Mercer out, oh, yeah. or K-Dub had Rick Mercer come out, and he's like he's like the Canadian... Uh, Stephen Colbert or Jon Stewart. A Col- like the Colbert Report, yeah. So he came out and played, and he didn't wow. get convert. Wow, that's awesome. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like Trudeau is the kind of guy who has all the luck, though, you know? So he'd go out there and look pretty. Oh, he'd probably be better than all of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like yeah. Six foot. I mean, he went boxing. <laughs> Polo's got to be less dangerous than boxing. Yeah. Depends on how you play, I guess. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Maybe you're skidding around in your wheel wheel. So, Jenny, I got a few more questions for you, okay? Yeah. I really love your kind of story of, like, starting to play not long, but having played in so many places, playing pickup in so many places. And something we talked about on an earlier episode that I think you could really speak to would be, you know, what are the perfect conditions for, like, amazing pickup? Like, what do you look for if when you show up and you're like, oh, it's going to be a good night? I don't – I just don't come in with any expectations anywhere. I just – or I guess – I expect to have fun with whatever is going to happen. Even if everybody's a bunch of dicks, I'll get some amusement out of how cartoonishly dickish they are or something. I don't know, you know? But for the for the game, for the play to be good, I think what I love coming into other people's courts is that they've played together, some of them, for a really long time, and they have a unique chemistry together. And to watch how those different uh, pair-ups play out and the combos that they usually go for, the passing style that they, they have. Mm. And then just try to incorporate all those different things that I see into my own game or just broadens my horizons of what it can look at look like. I don't know. I, I, I enjoy, I just enjoy pull. I mean, okay, if I was going to be totally honest, I like faster play. I like more competitive play. So for me, that's going to be more fun every time. In Chicago, I, I had one of the best nights of polo ever the one time i got to play there they just have really old players been long playing a long time and they don't slow it down i appreciate that personally i know that not it's not for everybody there's definitely like a bit of an argument in the polo scene about like especially when new players come do you slow it down for them do you give them space do you still play hard because they have to learn somehow i mean where do you fall on that i think that initially you need touches on the ball and you need uh, some space to make that hit sure and I don't know there's just so many different personalities I, I yeah some people probably enjoy feeling safer but for me I'd rather go get those touches in solo polo and build up my game and then just be thrown in into it because I think when you're when you're thrown into it you you advance quickly and fast and when people have higher expectations for you you play better when you have higher expectations for yourself you play better I mean this is like a tangent but when I played uh grass polo I was often the only female player uh I don't think that gender is really a thing but I'm just gonna talk about it this way for a second okay so there may have been one other uh woman that would come out from time to time but having been conditioned to feel like if I even touch the ball or hit the ball I'm getting a congrats and I'm getting a pat on the back like you know, it's like, oh, I don't have to do that much to just come out here and enjoy myself and feel like I played pretty well. Um, but at some point, it kind of felt a little, con- you know, a little like, yeah, don't pat me on the back for that terrible hit. Like, I am capable of better. Um, but I don't know, one day I was at at a, at a game or a practice and I just was like, what if I just thought I just came out here as a guy and had that mentality of like, I'm on the same, uh, I'm, I'm being judged the same as all these other dudes and I'm being held to the same standard. And I played faster. I played better. 
and that's just with my background, my conditioning, and my personality, and whatever. It was more. It's more fun for me. I'd yeah. I'd rather somebody come hard at me and push me down. Yeah. So you're saying you like to be pushed and like challenged when you're learning something new. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So if you have to give a tip to like maybe someone that's listening to this podcast, maybe only playing a year, uh, what would you be your tip to learn to play bike polo well quickly? Solo polo. Yeah, it's just so important. And then, and that's like the common theme of this podcast. <laughs> solo polo. Yeah. Also, I would say advocate for yourself. Like, communicate. If you're the kind of person who wants to be pushed, then then tell people like, come at me, don't play it, don't give it to me easy. And if you're the kind of person who wants more coddling, or that's sorry, that's a bad connotation. Whatever, more <laughs> nice play than say like, hey, I'd prefer this. Yeah. Right? We're all out there trying to be. I think if you're at polo at any point, whether you're a beginning player or you're a vet and somebody else on the court is making you uncomfortable, you should speak yeah. up about it. And if you're a new player and you're uncomfortable and it's because you're new and you you know what they're doing is totally fine, then that'll get explained and people can kind of adjust the play around you accordingly to make you still feel welcome. But it's better to like, I think it'd be way better if new players spoke up about the fact that they felt uncomfortable and then the club could look at it. Uh, rather than just feel uncomfortable and not yeah, come back. Yeah, and it, and it sometimes, uh, just to let know, people know that that's is a safe space for that kind of conversation. When new players come, we we can tell we tell them, like, you know, this is how this operates. You you are totally free to tell us what you need out there. For sure, I think there's so many different people that come out to like beginner nights or just just pick up randomly. It's important that they voice their expectation, you know, if they feel uncomfortable or something. It's not always easy when you're a new person, though, you know? Yeah. So, anyway, everybody out there who's listening to this right now, don't huh. don't hold back. <laughs> no, okay. Nice. That's a great tip. What's your, like, favorite thing about bike polo, you know, altogether? Is it, you know, like you mentioned, the intensity? <laughs> is it the sort of community? Or is it a combination of all those? Mm-hmm. I know it's a nebulous question, but... Um, like, what's your just the, the thing that gets you excited about bike polo? Oh, man. All right. I feel like my answer should be the people. <laughs> I love the people. They're wonderful. <laughs> well, it doesn't have yeah. yeah. I mean, it doesn't have it doesn't to be, have it to be but... anything. Yeah. <laughs> but, but if you say anything else, we're going to say that you like it more. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, what gets me really excited and hyped on it is that is the sport. Uh, I'm just always been that, that person that just gets. I, it's pure unmitigated joy being in the flow out there and when a good play just clicks or you witness somebody else do something amazing um or you finally get that thing you've been working on you know to me there's just when you're out there you're in it there's nothing else that's what mm. i love well said yeah and you heard it here first bike polo is a sport <laughs> <laughs> That that is definitely going to be a later episode. That's a hot take. Um, it was called a sport. You can't can't argue with that. I uh, I do have one more question sure. for you that we didn't write down, and I probably should have. But can you think of any sort of stories or like side story that you would want to share, like funny experiences you've had with polo, and hopefully more enjoyable than getting turned around at a border? <laughs> like any any kind of uh, like crazy game or play or anything that's come out of polo since you've started playing that you uh want to share okay i yeah i made like a whole list of travel stories but they're not polo related <laughs> that it, even even if they're not polo related that's uh we'll take anything <laughs> um <clears throat> I, I mean i've just been really lucky 
in life for things to kind of have flowed and lined up uh, to be wonderful and terrible at the right points to propel me into this situation where I had the means and a vehicle and a shitty enough job to quit it um, and just to kind of like go and do my own thing for a very long time. And coming to Polo has felt like finding my tribe because it feels like a lot of people who also do their own thing and enjoy life the way they want to enjoy it. And it makes me so happy to see people enjoying life that way because you look around and there's a lot of people stuck in, I don't know, what they think life's supposed to look like. So that being said, I guess, you know, I had all all these wonderful serendipitous stories about mountain bike stories and whatever, like on the road and people I've met. And I think that we've all had those experiences. We know how life can be. And that the world can be small and there's wonderful coincidences sometimes. So instead of going into things that people weren't present for and have no connection to, um, maybe I'll just, I would like to spend some time talking about what's been going on in Minneapolis and how it affects our, our polo community. Yeah, totally. go for it, please. And I, and I don't feel like I, I need to get into the history and societal structure at large or anything because we all have access to resources to do our own research there. But about polo and inclusion like the murder the police murders here and harassment of people here has been a long-standing thing in these in our communities and in our neighborhoods but to have it just so in our so undeniable and to the point where we can't it's not something we accept anymore totally it changed everything and so a lot of our energies have been poured towards supporting our communities and trying to figure out what's next and how to how to rebuild and how to bring forth change and we have members of our club that are directly involved in that in like very real ways like two members um, of the city planning community are working on making a permanent structure at the intersection where George Floyd was killed uh, that's Cato and Trey and other city planners are working on other aspects of trying to like rebuild the city in a, in a healthy way. Of course, we've all been riding around and involved in our own ways in cleanup and protests and everything else. And so coming back together and starting to play again has felt like a space of much needed healing, talking to each other about what the, our experiences have been and then not talking about it also and playing and also reflecting on is our club inclusive or do we just think about ourselves as being inclusive like how many people from the neighborhoods we play in have started playing with us are we making this a welcome space to people from other cultures when they come and they look do they see a place where they could walk up and say hey i want to play you know so just kind of thinking about how to make it better for that asking people like does this feel like a good space for you for me gender wise i know that polo is a nice break for me to come and for my gender to not be at the front of my identity for me to just be a player out there and to be a part of the dynamics of the game and it doesn't get brought up you know very often this like filtered perception of me at least not as much as in the rest of life and so it feels like a better space for me to be in. And I want to make sure that it's that way for people from not just gender wise, but 
you know, in all aspects, right? So, yeah, I don't know, just doing a lot of reflection. Like, when we play this music or we say these things, are we appropriating? Are we using it in a way that's, like, mocking? Are we being respectful? I hope that we are doing a better job of that, and I appreciate all these different polo communities, all that they've contributed. Milwaukee has been doing a lot over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen a lot of the Milwaukee stuff on social, the work they're putting in over there. It's been pretty amazing to watch and uh, see from afar where we are, all the effort that's being put in. And it sounds like in Minneapolis, it's very much the same. And that you guys are having those conversations and thinking about, you know, are we really as inclusive as we possibly could be? Yeah, there's always room. I wish that was a conversation that every club had every year because there's always room for improvement on that front. Yeah. And it's, and it's, I, I think we're all getting better. We're exercising that muscle of, of being like, oh, maybe I was a little wrong about something. You know, that's okay. O- mm-hmm. Oops. All right. I mean, we've all been there. We've all been <laughs> wrong about something yeah. in our lives. Yeah. I know, like, I always say it all the time. I love the bike pole community. I love the inclusivity of it. And I think bike pole far and wide does a better job than a lot of other sports, shall we say, of being that way. But there's still a long road ahead. And we still have a lot of work to do. And I, I so appreciate all the work that came before I even came to it. Because, For sure. yeah, you can see it. You can definitely see it. Wow. That was a great statement to say. And yeah. I think, you know, if people hear that at home and they're listening on their podcast, just, you know, maybe stop and think about your club and the position and power you hold within that club and what you can do and what your club can do to help your community as well as just make yourselves a more welcoming space for everyone in our society so if we all think that way like what you brought up here jenny i think you know we can make bike polo which is something that's already a really special thing into something that's really really amazing it's beautiful thank you on that note i do anyone else have anything else we want to add to this because i think this is a pretty nice place to end the conversation unless jenny you have more you want to talk about oh that's great i've really enjoyed this so much thank you guys no, thank you so much for being here. I know Liam, Alex, and I, we all appreciate you taking the time and, you know, being real with us and sharing some of those more vulnerable sides of things as well, as well as the cool stories. And we're really <laughs> sorry about Canada's border police. <laughs> we'll find a we'll way. We'll get right on that. I did want to mention is I really enjoyed your, your sort of musical oh, um, God. little videos. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank well you. I mean, I, I, you know, oh, I, man. I, uh, I appreciated that. I think that was. I, did you were you doing those before sort of the pandemic thing, or was no, that sort of a that was respo- a pandemic like, sort of induced <laughs> decision? Yeah, I think for a lot of people it was. But I, I genuinely, I, I really enjoyed them and and all the requests. Oh, what what music you. videos are these? I haven't. I didn't <laughs> no. find these. Well, maybe I'll let you speak about well, it, Jenny. Maybe for me and anyone else in the yeah. audience. Uh, what are um, these videos? I had gone on Facebook and played piano, and. Um, I played a classical piece and then like it got like 50 uh, requests from friends and family, which was really <laughs> touching and and awesome. So I just tried to go through and pick through and play the different songs that people had requested. And I, and I sang in some of these videos, but I'm not a singer. And so it was fun for, it <laughs> oh, was no, they were fun great. for a while. It's a, it's a little hard to be vulnerable like that, but it was fun. No, it was, it was fantastic. Thanks. And I, the one, the one I think, I'm pretty sure it was a short one where you mentioned you were like, make your bed every day, make your bed every day, or you'll go insane. That has stuck with me so much. Like now that I'm 
whenever I look at my messy bed. Oh my god, I, I love that. that. And I go, and I'm like, I should make my bed every day. <laughs> that is awesome. Yes. Pandemic or not, make your bed every day. So thank you. Thank have, you for that. Yeah. Never made my bed unless I had guests coming over. So <laughs> maybe I should learn from that too. Uh, yeah, a little life lesson. All right. Well, on that note, thanks so much, Jenny, for your time. Uh, on behalf of all three of us, we really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you on the court sometime soon, hopefully, once all this COVID-19 stuff is uh, over and done with, hopefully. Yeah, I can't wait. All right. Okay. If uh, if anyone has any questions for you outside, uh, is there any social media or things you want them to be able to reach um, you at? Sure. Uh, Instagram is fine. I'm, <laughs> I've am i got a real live, laugh, love handle. It's at, oh, wait, what is it? Wonder, <laughs> wonder, wander, repeat. Uh-oh. Oh, that's a good one to have. Mm. That's a good one. Wonder, wander, repeat. Yes. Awesome. Someone might come and offer you like a bunch of money for that one in the future. <sighs> that's what I'm hoping yeah. for. I pity, I pity the next generation. Every good name is going to be taken. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. All right. That's it. That's all I got. Perfect. Well, I think we're done. Thanks, guys. Okay. So I'll take this opportunity to thank everyone who listened to the episode all the way through the end we love your support and we really appreciate it if you want to get involved in the conversation remember to email us at northsidepolopodcast at gmail.com that's northsidepolopodcast at gmail.com remember to keep the rubber side down and i'll see you on the court have a good one guys see you later bye bye for now Did you guys know that my name backwards is actually male? Damn. Wow. That's awesome. You should definitely make that part of Liam's mail. Make that part of the intro, yeah. What is that called when something's spelled yeah. backwards and forwards? <laughs> An anagram? An anagram. Is that it? Uh, Liam? No, that's if you rearrange the letters. It's a palind. Well, no, a palindrome is the same word front to Is back. Liam male? Uh, no, you're right. It is an anagram. Or an anagram? No, it might be a different, some other different kind of word. It's a, pa- regardless, it's a palindrome. It's a palindrome. It's only fitting I'm doing the mail. It's a palindrome. Well, get to it, dude. Do the mail. Get an intro into this. All right. Jeez. Okay. No, no, no. no. Palindrome's uh, different. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone wants to clarify on what word we're looking for, you can email us at uh, northsidebikepolo at gmail.com. It's not even the email. That's where these... Uh, what is it? Northside? Northside Northside Polo Podcast at gmail.com. Oh, sorry. <laughs> northsidepolopodcast at gmail.com. I'm sorry.